Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Girl of Gen Z podcast. I'm your host, Clarissa, and today I have a special guest by the name of Hannah Ashton on today's episode. Hannah is a 20-year-old female entrepreneur that has a YouTube channel and a podcast. She also is a small business owner of a workbook planner that she has created and is now selling. Before jumping onto the episode, I just wanted to say that if you are watching slash listening to this on the YouTube platform, it would be much appreciated if you could hit the subscribe button and the notification bell to be notified every time I have a new upload, whether that's a podcast episode or a YouTube video. And if you are listening to this on the podcast app, if you could hit the subscribe button over there and leave a review and preferably five stars just to know how I'm doing, it would be appreciated more than you know. Without further ado, let's get on into this episode. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to the Girl of Gen Z podcast. How are you? Hi, Clarissa. I am doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, it's raining today and with everything going on in the world right now, it definitely has been hard to keep, you know, positive, uplifting spirits, but I'm doing my best as I'm sure you are as well. Yeah, it's a crazy time. It's also raining here, so it just adds to the gloom, but here we are. We're still showing up. I'm excited to talk to you. Which is important, which is important. And I'm, I'm happy to have you on today and kind of take this negative stuff that's going on in the world and turn it into something a little bit more positive. I want to dive into your journey of being the young female entrepreneur that you are and share your story with everyone. Cause I think it's, it's a good one. And, uh, you're so young to like have experienced everything you have thus far. And I honestly admire you a lot. I really do. Well, thank you. I, I hope this can be helpful. Okay. So, uh, you are a 20 year old uh, entrepreneur, a female one, <laughs> uh, and you attend Belmont University in Nashville. Yes, Nashville gal, Tennessee gal, and I am a sophomore um, there, and my major is entrepreneurship as well. So what made you choose that as your major? I found my love for entrepreneurship, I would say, in high school. Um, I always had the spirit behind me, I guess. I actually remember I didn't know it was entrepreneurship at the time, but back in elementary school, I would make bracelets out of my neighbors. Um, I think it was paper clips, like connect paper clips together and make bracelets and sell them at school for like a couple of cents. And so I would do that and I found um, Etsy when I was like 12 and my best friend and I, we were really into sewing and American Girl dolls. So we would like make little hair clips and try to sell them on Etsy. So I had been selling stuff and just really loving the, you know, consumer entrepreneur exchange for years without even really knowing what it was. But it was in high school when I started reading like hashtag girl boss by Sophia Amoruso and really understanding what my dad does because he's an entrepreneur and kind of realizing that, oh, this is something that I could so see myself doing. And I actually started YouTube really young as well. I started when I was around 12, when I was getting in that American Girl doll stage um towards the end of it I found American Girl Doll YouTubers and they were like doing stop motions and hair tutorials and how to clean them and so I did that as a hobby just for fun and so I kept with that all through middle school all through high school now my content has changed significantly now I do like college lifestyle videos um health and productivity time management um and then also talk about entrepreneurship since I've created my own businesses in high school and now college and also do YouTube as well. So that's kind of my introduction to the world of business. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you started young, clearly selling paperclips <laughs> yeah, uh, or pa- paperclip bracelets, I should say. How old were you? 
Oh, I cannot remember. Probably in like second grade or something like that. And then of course, teachers told me you can't sell stuff on school property and especially things you make with your neighbor's tools and stuff. So it didn't work out, but that's okay. (laughs) Did you have a partner in this business or was it just you? No, that was just me for the first one. Yeah. That's crazy. So let's dive back a little bit further then into your childhood and then we'll get more into a little bit more of the entrepreneur talk. Um, so where did you grow up? Do you have any siblings? And what do your mom and dad do? Because I know you said your dad is an entrepreneur as well. Yeah, so I grew up in East Tennessee, um, right near the mountains. When I was really young, we grew up, grew up like on a mountain, basically. And I have one brother. He's three years younger than me. And yeah, my dad is an entrepreneur. He builds homes in the Knoxville area in East Tennessee. And then my mom was an actress. But then when she had... Um, me as the oldest uh, child, she retired and now helps my dad and still does acting and singing through like directing our school's musicals, that kind of thing and side hustle stuff. But yeah, that's a, a little bit about me. I'm, I grew up in the countryside, I guess you could say kind of a country girl, but then also through YouTube, I found my love for um, like New York and LA YouTubers. And so I feel like I have a little bit of both like the city girl and my, both my parents are actually from New York or and Pittsburgh, but they both lived in New York for a time. So a healthy mix of both. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. So what were your interests as a kid? Like, were you a dancer, a gymnast, an athlete? I did all of it. I don't know how, but um, I think pretty much any sport you can come up with. I did um, starting with like t-ball and then went into softball, did volleyball, did dance for a few years, gymnastics, equestrian, volleyball, basketball, golf, like literally everything. Like every season I was doing something new. And then in middle school, I also found love for like choir and musical theater. So I have always just been juggling a lot of plates and doing a lot of things. And I think that's kind of what makes me who I am today, where I have a business and I have a YouTube channel and I'm also in college and, you know, trying to build, you know, a career as well. And so that initiative to like be doing all the things, I think definitely started young and attributes to what I do today. But yeah, I love doing all the things and went, always went to a smaller school as well, a small private school. So that's also where I go to college. Belmont is a smaller Christian college. And so I'm used to having more of like a one-on-one connection with professors and fellow classmates, which also I think is just how I like to learn. And so, yeah, a little bit more about me than I normally share. (laughs) Would you say you're more of a visual learner or an auditory learner or tactile, or are you a mixture of both? Because you mentioned that you like the more one-on-one and I guess smaller class sizes. Right. I like, I found hearing and seeing the lectures, I don't need to do like a project. I don't really need to do like a game or something with it. I can watch a lecture, but then having engagement with the professor, with the teacher is important for me. So asking questions like as they come up in my head um, and just having a really, I guess, verbal, you know, just conversation with whoever I'm learning with is really helpful for me. Right, right. Okay, that's that's awesome. Um, So what, were there any courses in high school, I guess, that kind of push you in the direction of what major you want to choose in uh, college? Or was it completely just like YouTube and your podcast that kind of helped shape that push and movement? It was all YouTube and podcasting and just finding mentors through the digital space, like other females, uh, entrepreneurs on Instagram and just getting inspiration from them. Uh, yeah, my high school didn't have any business courses, actually, now that I look back. And so it's again, it was very small. I was the first graduating class of that high school. And so we were like 
the guinea pigs of everything. And so no formal business classes. I had learned everything uh, through podcasts and books and YouTubers. And then now I'm being opened up to so much more as I am a business major and basically all my classes now are focused around that. Well, that's awesome. The fact that you went from not having any of this and exposed to you in high school and you had to make the decision based on what you've learned in the digital space on the freaking internet. Um, that's awesome to hear that that kind of helped you push into the direction you did. Yeah, it's so easy nowadays to learn pretty much whatever you want online, even things you would normally go through education for like business. Um, and I know a lot of people say that, you know, college or high school doesn't teach you how to start a business. So you can just do it on, by yourself online through all the amazing resources out there, even if you are getting a business degree. Um, I'm in a little bit of a different step because of entrepreneurship. It's so specific. I, it does lead me through how to start a business. Um, but I did go through a lot of this already in high school, just through self, self-learning and teaching. Yeah. So you started a business before you enrolled in this school, correct? Yes. Yeah, so I did a few different things in high school. So I considered YouTube partially a business as I did make money. That was like my main job throughout high school was YouTube, sponsorships, collaborations, AdSense, all of that. And then around my junior year, I decided I wanted to do something a little bit more. So I was always getting questions about how to start a YouTube channel, how to make a YouTube thumbnail, how to title your videos to help with the algorithm, all these things. And I was really trying to teach myself this um, as my channel began to grow. And so I actually did YouTube consulting throughout like my junior to senior year of high school. Um, so I would just, I started out with just a one-on-one -on -one call with fellow viewers who wanted to talk with me and work through things with me. And then a few months later, I decided to do more of like a program. So I did a six week, I believe it was six week course. And every week we'd have a virtual call just like this one and go over steps of how they could lay out their channel and really make it a personal brand as well. And then when I went to college, I did stop doing the consulting just time-wise. Uh, but then I started, I did my first in-person event, which is a whole nother business. I was not expecting it to be that difficult, but it was, it kicked my butt for sure. I learned a lot through it, but I did a, an in-person event here in Knoxville and that was August, right before I went into my freshman year of college. Um, it had about 45 attendees. It was three hours. We had, I spoke about personal branding. We had other female entrepreneurs speak and talk about Instagram and it was a great experience, but it was definitely a learning curve. I've done one other event since then. It was last June in Chicago for Chicago bloggers focused around that. So I would say those have been like my other outlets of income besides just YouTube and the business I have now. It's doing the consulting for a little bit and then the occasional in-person event. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Knowing what you know now, just with having, you know, a little bit of school under your belt and entrepreneurship, is there anything you feel like you would have done differently when running those events? Because at the time you weren't in college yet, so you didn't gain any of their knowledge and information. Honestly, I can't pinpoint anything I would do differently. Um, obviously there, I made a ton of mistakes going through it, you know, like not giving myself enough time or doing going for, you know, the biggest grandest that I could instead of really focusing in on a budget. Um, but I, I don't think I would give up the experience just because it was such a lesson learned. And now that I have that under my belt of hosting two events, like going forward, I feel like that's a skill set that's really hard to learn in a class, like calling sponsors, getting companies to sponsor an event, not just a YouTube video is different for me. Um, making sure your attendees 
come and are and leave fulfilled, leave happy with the value and the material you give them. And then also the whole um, selling tickets aspect as well. It was my first time, well, along with consulting, like selling something to my audience. And it's just, yeah, definitely different than just posting content. So I don't think I would change anything because I learned a lot, but there are definitely mistakes that I could have avoided if I had prior knowledge. Yeah, that's completely understandable. Um... I feel like, what was they going to say? Did you charge people to come to this event? Yeah, so tickets were $35 for the three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour event. Okay, and were each events that you've done about the same time or like three hours each? Uh, yes, yes, and I love doing it. Like I think both of them also were on a Saturday morning, like 10 a.m. start time. We have a brunch. You get a goodie bag included. So try to make it the events that I always love to attend. I love attending workshops and things where I can learn more about how to grow my business and just network. And so I try to encapsulate everything that I love about events I go to into my own. And so that kind of went in with bringing the costs up. Cause I'm like, no, we have to have the best coffee and we have to have the cutest like photo shoot areas, but <laughs> that's just my creative side going ahead of my business side. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable for sure. Um, what did your parents think about that? Of you putting on this event, especially at such a young age, like being like, Hey, uh, I'm going to run this. What did they think? Yeah, so both of my parents have always been really proud of me and supporting me. And but it's never like they come up to me and I tell them an idea and they give me like, oh, I don't think I don't know if you can do this. They're always like pretty just uh what's the word? Like nonchalant about it, if that kind of makes sense. Like they'll be positive, they'll be like, Okay, so that sounds good. Like, how are you gonna do it? How are you gonna do this? It's not like, what are you thinking? Why are you putting down all of this money of your savings? All these things. Um but in that regard as well, I don't lean on them for help in that aspect as well. They're kind of just like a mentor. They're not, you know, I've always done all of my business opportunities out of my own pocket, out of money I've made. Um, and I just go to them for advice. It's not like I put the event on them to run. I think all they did to help was the setup and the cleanup of it. And I, I think it was funny. I don't think my dad was, I was so nervous leading up to this event. So nervous, more nervous than I've been for anything I'd done before. And I don't think he understood really why I was so nervous till he showed up and then saw like these women that were his age or my age, like most of the women there were older than me. And so saw all these women coming in and he's like, wow, my daughter's putting on something for these women who are significantly older than her. And okay, I'm going to help her now. Like, we got to set this up. We got to make sure the audio is right. The video is going. Um, but I think it is funny to kind of watch their reaction because it, it it's probably not like most parents. Um, I'm kind of thankful that they, see my independence and kind of just let me go for it and then just help where they can along the way. Right, right. My heart is so warm just hearing that story. Like, that's incredible that your parents were like, all right, we're going to make this work. This is going to be awesome. And just are that support system that are there with you along the way. So that's that's really good to hear. Um, but yeah, I definitely have to agree with they don't teach you everything in school with how to run an event and doing all the little things. So yeah, you definitely have a one up. I feel like with a lot of other entrepreneurs in the sense that you've really gone above and beyond and essentially want it to be the best of the best. Like you're not going to settle for anything less. Well, thank you. Yeah. I just have an idea and I go for it. It's I, I've always been like that. Like when I wanted to start a YouTube channel, I'm like, okay, I want to do this. Let's start it. When I wanted to do an event, it was like, what could go wrong? Let's do it. When I wanted to create my um, workbook planner, I was like, I want to do a physical product. Let's just look into how this would be and go for it. So um, definitely has its pros and cons. 
as I should probably do more planning and lay out before I jump into a new venture. But it's also, I think what prohibits so many people, maybe even young people is like, oh, I don't know. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the 10 years experience in a career of consulting for me to start YouTube consulting. And for some reason, I just always look past that and say, oh, I'll figure it out as I go. And I'll do as much research as I can um, with the resources that are available to me and then learn from there. Yeah, you definitely make good use of what you have around you. So that's good to see as there's more and more millennials and people like us, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit of change of pace, then we'll come back to the YouTube and podcast talk. What made you choose uh, to go away to school? I think a big part of it was I wanted to try something new instead of just staying home and continuing to work on my business. Um, since I had the opportunity to go to school and it's what all my friends were doing. Like, that's just what everyone talks about during your senior year of high school. Like, Oh, where are you going to college? And it's like, okay, I'll choose a college. Um, and so I chose Belmont because it's in Nashville. So it's three hours away from my hometown. And I felt like that was a, a good distance, um, for commuting back and forth, but also like having my own life. I also love Nashville. It's a very up and coming city. A lot of creatives, obviously in the music industry, but just all over as well. And so I wanted to be in a city that was very up and coming and, you know, um, supported entrepreneurs. And then uh, Belmont has a great entrepreneurship and business program. And I love the school itself. The It's a gorgeous campus. And then um, just read a lot of great reviews about their entrepreneurship program and was like, you know what, you can never learn too much. So I want to go see what I can learn from this program specifically. That's awesome. So did any of your friends from high school go to the same university or sorry, I guess I say university because I'm used to that in Canada, but <laughs> I guess for you guys. Oh yeah. College. I call it a university too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Um, so did your friends all go to Belmont as well or were they all kind of dispersed into different schools and was that a deciding factor for you at all being like influenced by your friends going to different schools or being like, I'm going to break away and go on my own? Yeah, so I think everyone, now, like I said, my graduating class was really small. You're going to be shocked. It had 15 people. Wait, so <laughs> yeah. how many people were in the school? So the school is pre-K through 12th grade, and there's like under 400 students. So oh, it's very, it was, very small. But you said it was a private school, right? Yes. So how big are your classes in, in high school? So or, we would kind of... Yeah, well, it, yeah, we, the high school was like separate. So we would kind of mix. So sometimes I'd have like 11th graders in with me as a senior. So probably about 20 students in a classroom at a time. Okay, okay. Sometimes way less, though, like sometimes you could have 10 students. Yeah. So in that 15 graduating, how many girls were and how many were guys? Oh, man, why, I think it was split half and half around that maybe a okay. little bit a few more girls Belmont's different though Belmont's like 70% girls <laughs> wow yeah. was that an adjustment um not really I would say I I mean I'm in the business college which is actually the opposite there's more men in the business college than females so I'm uh, I'm more of like at a normal college university on that ratio but yeah. So from my high school, no one else went to Belmont in my graduating year. We all kind of scattered everywhere. And I loved my grade because we were like a family. So, you know, we fought like a family, laughed like a family with 15 students by the end of the four years. You basically know everything about everyone. So loved that time, but I was ready for something new. And even though Belmont is small, my um, grade has like 2000 students, which is significantly more than 15. So it was an adjustment even as going into a small college. Wow, that's wild. I couldn't even imagine being with 15 
just like you could just be one little line like that's it like with Uh your caps on like (laughs) that's crazy (laughs) so you're obviously happy with the decision you made and to going away to Belmont was there any other school that was like kind of top tier for you and you're kind of deciding between or were you pretty like headstrong with Belmont the other school that I would say I was choosing between was University of Tennessee, Knoxville. So it's one of the bigger state schools here in Tennessee. And so um, typical like SEC school, you have the sororities, you have the football, you have all of those, you know, typical American university aspects. Um, And for me, I just decided that I would want something a little bit different. Um, I have friends who go there and I can always visit them. But for me, I wanted more of like a smaller education setting. So that's why I chose Belmont. Do you feel like you're losing out on anything being at Belmont? Because you said the other scene seems more like, I guess, the typical American dream of what you see in the movies. Um, It depends on the day. There's some days I'm like, you know what? Oh, I wish I could, you know, have that experience that my friends there are having. But then other days, um, I'm just like, are you ever in class? <laughs> so, so it's really funny. I feel like I'm able to focus more on what I love. And for me, doing all of this, I've always been um on a different path which is totally fine I mean yeah like some days I wish I didn't have all of this so I could just you know pretend to be like a normal college student but I do have a lot of responsibilities with the platform that I've built and so um I just decided to take a different path and focus more on like building those strong friendships focusing on my schooling and on growing my brand as well so it's a trade-off yeah yeah so your schooling's four years yes okay okay um do you plan on doing anything after that, like in regards to like your master's or continuing your education or do you have like a, a different mindset? I don't think I'm going to go further into education. I do not mind school. Like I've always been good at showing up to class, taking notes, taking the test, moving forward. Um, my brain just works well with that. But I, I can't see myself going further into school just because I love having my own experiences, doing my thing so much. One cool um, opportunity that I am taking part of, hopefully in August, if everything stays on track, is I'm doing a program through Belmont where you get to actually intern in New York for a semester and do online classes, um, but for the same tuition prices I would be paying in Nashville. So I applied and got into that. So the goal for next semester, for fall semester, is to be in New York, and that's going to bring totally new experiences, and I'm hoping I can kind of learn through an internship opportunity, maybe more of like a field of uh, field of work I don't want to go into in case I don't do my own thing um, but we'll see so I'm just trying to get as much like diverse experiences in college as possible to kind of figure out what I want to do by the time I graduate okay awesome you cut out just for a split second so you said um, to move to New York and go to what kind of career sorry I just missed that part oh just whatever internship I get um, I want to do an internship hopefully in like fashion or beauty beauty world just because there's so many opportunities there in New York for that so many businesses and I'd love to work in a female founded or female run business to kind of see what that looks like and get ideas you know for my own business as well and yeah just kind of see what the difference is between running your own business or working more in like a corporate or for another business would look like that's awesome well congratulations I really do hope it works out for you because I I can completely see you there in New York and I feel like there's a lot of other influencers there as well and bloggers and and networking opportunities would be so ample in that space thank you yeah it's definitely growing on the youtuber scene I feel like it used to all be LA and now we're seeing them all spread out more 
Yeah. Do you remember when everyone, there was like this one summer where like it was Megan Rosette. I don't know if you remember her, Megan Rinks. Yeah. Lauren Elizabeth, uh, it was just a bunch of, they all moved out to LA at once. And like, you're right, it was LA. And now you're seeing a little bit in in New York and in, in other cities. And I think that's nice to see that like as a millennial now, you don't have to think you have to move out to LA to make it. Right, absolutely. And for me, like being in East Tennessee and being a YouTuber in East Tennessee, and I had to have very little opportunities um, or like fellow YouTubers around me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to move to LA. Like 16 year old me was like, I have to go to college there if I want to make it. And then by the time I was a senior, I was like, I don't think I really want to move out there. Like, let's see what other options there are. So I'm glad that that landscape is changing for other young people, maybe in more rural areas or not as media focused areas can still pursue their dreams like from wherever, because that is the whole point of online and digital space is you can do it from anywhere. A hundred percent. It's very, you can work from home, you can work from coffee shops, so many different options. <laughs> yeah. So jumping, I guess, back into the YouTube and podcast topic a little bit more. So you started your channel six years ago, seven years ago? Yes. This channel, Hannah Ashton. Yeah. About seven years ago. Okay. And the one that you started with your American Girl Dolls, was that on this channel or a separate one? That was a separate channel. And then I even had one for like crafting. I've had, I've had a few different channels, like a fitness one. Um, yeah, but Hannah Ashton is the one I've stuck with. Okay. And I have to ask, when you've started your channel, did you have to ask your parents for permission or did you just start uploading? I did. <laughs> um, I made sure that it was okay with them. Their role starting out was that I couldn't show my face, which is understandable as like a 12 year old girl. Um, so I would just show my dolls or like show my hands, you know, how to do their hair, that kind of thing. Um, but then I think I was about 15, maybe when I wanted to, you know, jump into the whole beauty guru scene and like do the makeup. And I was like, I have to show my face for this. So then I think they were more open to, to letting me be like an actual, actual YouTuber and vlog and all of that fun stuff. That's good. We have baby steps. Start with no face, then we make it to the face. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, was there um, like a breaking moment where your channel started to take off? Or was it like a lot of just time and effort and consistency and creativity that helped you build your subscriber base and viewership on your platform? I would say my channel has definitely been a slow growth. Just a lot of consistency, like you said, uploading usually every week. There's been very few times I feel like I've gone more than a week or two weeks without uploading. Um, and then there have been videos that have done really well, like went viral, got maybe a couple hundred thousand views or over a million views that definitely will spike your subscribers. Um, but for me, it's been, I mean, seven years and I'm almost to 200,000 subscribers. So very slow, consistent, but I was talking to a fellow YouTuber, Kenzie Elizabeth. I don't know if you know her, but I was talking to her last week about this and how we both have had that like slow growth. And we said, yeah, you know, it's hard to see other people's channels spike and get this a massive amount of followers, what seems overnight um, when we've been doing this for years and like building that connection. But honestly, the community we've built is so loyal in the fact that I've had viewers from my American Girl Dolls stages still follow me. And so that's cool just on like a community level, having nothing to do with money or followers. Just the fact that we've kept relationships with women all over the world for this many years I think that's just a cool achievement that often doesn't get looked at as much as you know like spiking subscribers or going viral um so yeah I would say slow growth with little bits of viral videos helping here and there yeah for sure when did you get monetized you remember I don't remember exactly because I was I think in seventh or eighth grade so I've been monetized for a while 
Um, but as I've learned recently from more YouTubers sharing about how much they're making and stuff is there are ways to kind of use the system to get the most out of your ads and Google ads. And so I definitely feel like I could have been making way more than I have been, um, just because it wasn't talked about and I didn't know what other people were making and what I should be looking for. So it's all interesting. Yeah, it was definitely a very like hush hush topic for years. And then all of a sudden it's just you see one person's video go viral and now everybody and their mother is recording what my first YouTube paycheck was and how much I make in this amount of time and if what using these hashtags, like what changes the algorithm. It's so interesting to see, um, just from like a curiosity standpoint, how successful people can be on this platform nowadays. Yeah, it is crazy. It's scary too, because it can go away so easily. But I think YouTubers are doing a great job at um, branching out and having many different avenues for, you know, whether it's merch or events or podcasting, I think they're just great entrepreneurs. Like the big YouTubers we see out there, they're doing phenomenal things in the business world. And it also started from them recording themselves, which is so inspiring. Have you met any like big, big YouTubers that are like in the million subscriber range? I went to BeautyCon in like 2016, maybe, um, BeautyCon New York, and I met like Remy Ashton, Alicia Marie wasn't there, but other friends of hers um, were there as well, like Tara Michelle, I think she just hit, maybe she didn't hit a million, maybe she did, but I think Remy Ashton is maybe the biggest one I've met, and I've seen Bethany Moda from afar, and that was really cool. cool. That's cool. Yeah, I met Bethany Moda at the Grove randomly. My high school in grade 11, we went on a dance field trip um, for five days in LA and Bethany like tweeted or she put in her story that she was going to be in the Grove area. And my whole like, <laughs> there was like pockets of us. So we'd each go up to our different times. And she gets so interesting at meeting your whole dance program, but like at different times of the night, because like we're all going in and out of stores like, oh, did you just see her in Pakistan? It was just a really funny moment. She's really sweet. That's awesome. Yeah, she seemed really sweet. Like she'd be fine with whoever came up to her. Yeah. And she was like, we're like, oh, what are you doing? She's like, what are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm I'm getting on a plane tomorrow to go to Prague. Like, oh, must be nice. Like for some brand thing. And this was like wow. years ago. This was like six years ago or something. So yeah, she was yeah, like the queen crazy. of the lifestyle space. Like all the I know. routines, man. I know. I know. She's cute. She's cute. Um, So let's get on to like the brand deal topic just a little bit, because I know it's something people are curious about. And um, I think that a lot of people who are trying to build a platform, I guess we'll just have the question of, do you reach out to brands? Do brands reach out to you? Is it half and half? How does, how does that go for you? So I would say it's about half and half Um, starting out. I waited till brands approached me like in early high school. And now I tell smaller YouTubers like, there's so many people out there that you can't just wait. Um, you have to reach out to them and show them what your unique strengths are. Like, what is your unique selling point? How are you going to promote their product? What campaign can you create for them? Like, you have to do the work now as the creator, as brands are, yeah. They have bigger budgets now for influencers, but there's also more options for them. So you kind of have to tell them why you're unique and what you're going to give to them. But um, I do have a manager now who helps find me brand deals, but that's very new. So for most of my YouTube career, I would email brands myself just through finding their email on their website or their marketing contact, PR contact, and yeah, just pitching myself to them. And then occasionally I'll get emails um, in my inbox as well from brands that I've been wanting to work with. That's awesome. How long has your manager been on with you then? Uh, I think it's been two months now. Okay. So fairly recent. 
Yes. And I, I have worked with network managers in the past, but it's been nothing as like serious or professional as the management I'm with now. Okay. Okay. What was your, do you remember your first brand deal? No, I do not. It was probably something super silly, probably something with clothes. I feel like clothes companies, like the kind of cheaper end clothing is kind of first to reach out to smaller YouTubers. Um, and so, yeah, I, was, I probably worked with someone like that, like Shein or something. Okay. Okay. So what's one of your more favored brand, I guess, collaborations you've had? Let's see. Uh, one for back to school season, I love being able to work with dorm companies, like for my dorm room tours that do really well. So I've gotten to work with Dormify, JCPenney and the container store um, since being in college. And so it's been really cool to work with bigger, more like household name brands. Um, and yeah, just see it, it. It depends because working with bigger brands, there's more guidelines and like liabilities with smaller brands. They usually let you be more creative and have more um, freedom with your sponsorship, but it's also cool to have to work with such a big brand name as well. I was going to say, you probably don't have to buy anything for your dorm room because you got it all for this, these videos that you got to create on YouTube. Yeah, it's been great. And Dormify was one, um, I, before my freshman year, I reached out to them and I pitched them this whole video concept. Um, cause I was like, man, dorm stuff is expensive. Like me and my roommate, uh, my freshman year roommate, we're like, we have to buy a table, rugs, like organizers, coffee machines. Like it's expensive to, you know, put together a dorm room. Um, and I was like, okay, let me see what company I feel like I could work with. And so I emailed Dormify and I said, I would do, you know, a haul of all the products I got. I would then highlight the products in um, my dorm move-in vlog and then also in a dorm room tour. And so I pitched them these three video ideas for this much product, and they said, yes. And so my roommate was so happy because we got all this stuff for free and um yeah it was it was a great great experience of like I was really proud of myself for coming up with the video concepts and pitching it and then following through with it yeah that's incredible uh you said it's expensive to put together a dorm room I'm gonna just correct you in a cute dorm room because I feel like any guy could just throw a bunch of crap together and like there's my dorm but for girls it's like I need the throw and the matching pillows and the accents on the wall and oh I want this cork board but I want it to be gold because it goes with my accent color you know what I mean yes you're so right yeah so yeah for a cute <laughs> dorm they can be expensive so are you still living in a dorm or are you now in like some student apartment or place so sophomore year, they also require you to live on campus. And so I am in a dorm, but in a single suite. So I share a bathroom with one other girl, um, but have a room to myself, which has been nice. Okay. And in first year, you had one other roommate? I had one other roommate, and then we shared a bathroom with two other girls. So it's like four people in a suite. Okay. Okay. And how did um, you talking about your YouTube channel go with that when you moved in? You're like, I'm going to need to film videos. Like, do, I, do we create a schedule? Like, how does this work? It was definitely more of a challenge freshman year than, than this year. Um, my freshman year roommate, she's from my hometown. So we didn't go to high school together, but we knew each other fairly well. And so she understood I did YouTube and all of that. And so I had just basically told her, like, I'm never going to tell, like, kick you out of the room. I'm just going to plan on filming, like, when you're in class or if you just text me and saying, like, you're going to Target, like, I'll use that time to film or I also had a podcast during freshman year. So recording as well, like creating so much content that requires good sound or video um, was definitely hard in the dorm room, but we figured it out and just tried to make my schedule opposite of her. So like if I had all morning classes and she would have afternoon classes, I could then use my afternoons to film. And then my sweet mates, they were really cool about it too. Um, one of my sweet mates became one of my best friends is 
as well. So she was really cool with it. And, you know, I would just like close the door and I'm sure they could hear me talking or whatever, whenever I was um, filming, but they were great about it. That's good. That's good. Cause I know I ran into the same kind of, I don't want to say issue or problem because it's only an issue or problem if the other person kind of makes it. Um, and my roommate was super chill at the time as well. So I told her I had YouTube videos and she's like, that's awesome. Like, yeah, let me know when you're filming. Like was very on board with the whole thing as when I moved into an apartment um, after I was out of the dorm situation, um, that roommate did not like filming at all. Like it was very... Um, I had to make sure she was in class for a good amount of time for me to film because even like when you're vlogging, you don't want to be vlogging in the same spot in the apartment the whole time, right? You want to switch up the scenery and move around and have movement and show your right. kitchen and it's hard when she's cooking or you're in the living room. So I've definitely seen both sides to it and it obviously makes it much easier when they're on board with what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard as well um, when you're in school, whether it's high school or college, and you want to vlog and show your life, but then not everyone around you is a YouTuber. I've always been very cautious of only filming or vlogging with friends that I know are cool with it. And even then, I find that I actually don't vlog a lot with my friends. People on YouTube are probably like, do you hang out with people? I'm always just by myself or with my family when I vlog because I'm more comfortable. And when I'm with my friends, I kind of don't want to think about work, YouTube stuff. So but yeah, it can be very hard to like make sure you're not getting people in a video that just don't want to be in it. Yeah, exactly. So it's always that pr like preamp of you just telling them, okay, like I'm pulling up the camera now type thing. Um, Cause my brother also does not like being in videos, like very, very like harsh when it comes to that. So um, yeah, I have to make sure when I'm just recording like in the kitchen or cause I still live with my parents um, that the camera's not out with, which as my sister doesn't care as much. My dad, my mom, um, their voices will be in the background. They don't care. It's more just like, just like make sure we're saying appropriate things in the background guys. <laughs> yep. Don't play music. We don't want to get copyright. Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally. So um, jumping off the brand deals topic then, and let's talk about networking a little bit with YouTubers. So how are you able to, um, did you either reach out to other YouTubers or did they reach out to you? Did you do video collabs? Cause I know I started following Natalie Barbu because of you. <laughs> cause yes. you guys did an event together, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. She's great. So tell, tell us a little bit about that, how that goes. I think with all relationships online, they need to be really authentic for them to work out and be long-term. And so with all my YouTube friends, it all just starts as like a follow. And then I start engaging with their content, whether it's on Instagram or YouTube, and then they engage with mine. And then if I see something on their story, I love stories because it's so easy to respond um, to something they post and be like, oh, I totally agree with this. Or I love this look. It's similar to something I bought. It's so easy to you know create a authentic conversation over something they post on their stories and it's quick like they're more they're most likely going to respond to that um since it has a 24-hour period and so I find just engaging with youtubers that or instagrammers that have content similar to you and just supporting them um whether they find you and talk to you or not just continuing to give your support others will notice it as well and that's really just how you can grow for one thing but also build those connections and yeah so Natalie and I have known each other for years actually we met up in person at that BeautyCon New York event um, in 2016 and so we met in person first there and then just kept in contact over the years and then we saw each other again in person for the second time when she flew into Nashville and stayed with me for the night and we did a little workshop on how to build a brand as a YouTuber in Nashville and so that was great but you can collaborate remotely as well. I think we saw more of this in earlier YouTube, but you can totally bring it back is doing like um, a video shout out or just 
a video collaboration and where maybe like you give 10 tips for creating a morning routine and they give 10 tips in their video. And then you mentioned, you know, you can check out each other's videos. You can create something like that, or you can do more, something more high tech, like um, an event, but also live streams, I feel like is where we're seeing a lot of collaborations, like Instagram lives, where you bring the other person on, that can be a great way to expose your audience to them and theirs to you. Um, but yeah, just be creative, talk to them, see what their goal is. Maybe they want to grow more of a community. Maybe they want to grow in actual numbers, figure out like what both of your goals are, and then go from there about how you can achieve that goal by working with each other. Giveaways um, are another thing that people do to kind of collaborate nowadays. Yeah, for sure. I like that you touched on the live stream thing because that I feel like that is the new virtual collaborations. If you can't get, get together physically in person way back when it was the shout outs or mentioning each other's channel. Now it's, hey, let's each have our own little video. Like I've seen it and it's like half screen of one person, half screen of the other person. And you kind of get their yeah. whatever topic they're talking about. I think it's a, it's a great way. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you, cause your followers get notified as well when you're going live with someone else and vice Love versa. that. Right. Right. Um, so were there any, um, relationships, I guess that flourished that you didn't think anything would come of, or was kind of, came shock shocking, or I guess brought you a, an opportunity in the YouTube or like podcast world because of meeting these people. I don't know if I can pinpoint something specifically, but it definitely happens. Like everyone's connected. So working through a campaign with like this brand and a fellow YouTuber, um, her name's Kiara. Yeah. Madison, I want to say maybe that may be wrong. I'm like trying to picture her username in my head. Um, but like if they're working on the same campaign, you can kind of be introduced to them and then they introduce you to other brands that they're working with that, you know, align with you. Cause they may also want to work with you if you have a similar niche. Um, Actually, this year I met, going back to your question about meeting famous YouTubers, I got to meet Hannah Maloche through friends that she has at Belmont. So she has just her like hometown friends at my school and I've become acquaintances and friends with them. And they're like, oh, I know another YouTuber named Hannah. And they said Hannah Maloche. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so famous. That's um, crazy. Yeah. So I've gotten to meet her and then she actually bought my product. She bought my workbook this like two weeks ago and I was thrilled of course but also shocked like wow thank you Hannah for like supporting me and I ended up gift gifting it to her for free because I'm like you're a YouTuber with over a million subscribers like you're gonna get this product for free um but that's been a cool connection that didn't even come out of like a YouTube relationship but just relationships with people and at Belmont and literally any connection is a good connection in the business world so as long as you know you're positive you're kind you're making connections they're going to be helpful in the end. I love that story. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so I just want to talk about your podcast a little bit. So I know that you previously hosted your podcast, Dream Achieve podcast, and I was so obsessed with it for so long. I would just like binge listen to the episodes. There was one day my dad and I were painting my room and I had, um, I think it was the episode of you talking about your event and like the mistakes you made or things you would have done differently. And my dad was just like, like stopped so many times like, wow, this girl has like so much to say about this experience. Like, this is crazy. How old is she? And I was like 20 years old or maybe you're 19 at the time or 18. I can't remember, yeah. but it was just, I like binge listened to them. Um, but I know you recently kind of hopped off that platform just cause you found that it was no longer for you, but do you want to touch on your time on that platform and then kind of how you closed it off? Sure. So first off, that makes me so happy to hear. Oh my goodness. When like parents have watched my content or listened to it, <laughs> I'm just, like 
in shock even more and love it. Um, but yeah, I started my podcast, I want to say 2017. So f- a few years ago, and it's kind of one of those things where I love listening to podcasts, just like starting my YouTube channel. I was like, let's try it. Why not? Um, I used the same equipment I used for YouTube for the podcast. So it wasn't much more of an investment. And um, I wish I would have like maybe niched down or been more professional with it to begin with. It was kind of like a side thing for me. And podcasts were popular, but I was not seeing a bunch of YouTubers having podcasts like we see now. And so I wish I would have started off like really strong. Instead, I kind of just experimented and was like, okay, we'll talk about business. We'll talk about life. We'll talk about high school and didn't yeah, make it very professional to start out with. And so I had it for about two years um, and did a very variance of different interviews, mainly about like business or women entrepreneurs, um, also some lifestyle content I kind of teetered in between. And I loved it. I love talking to people as we are here. I loved interviewing. It brought me so many connections. Like if you want to make connections while you're young, start a podcast and reach out to cool people to interview because it is how you make connections and they're very personal because you're talking for, you know, an hour or so. And, um, that was great. And they're easier to edit than YouTube videos. But the reason I stopped this past year, I stopped uploading in 2020 was just because of time mainly. And I wanted to focus my content on YouTube. I was like, my bigger following is on YouTube. I'd rather pour the extra two hours. I maybe spend a week on a podcast episode into an extra video or, into time working on my product business, whatever it may be. Um, So that is why I decided to stop. It just wasn't growing at a rate that I felt was worth the time investment for me personally. Obviously, when you're starting out, you're going to have to put in the time without much results until it starts to grow. But for me, I've been doing it for years. I was like, okay, you know what? It was a great time, had a lot of fun, but it's just not growing at the rate that I want as of now. And so I'm going to pivot and do something else. But yeah, all the episodes are still up on iTunes and Spotify under Dream Achieve Podcast. And there's like 70 episodes or something. So a lot out there for you guys to chew on. Yeah, there really is like that you will find an episode that you like. And then you'll be like, oh, well, I kind of like that topic too. And you'll just start listening to all of them like I did. (laughs) Uh, Who else inspired you to start your podcast? Who else? Um, a lot of people. I, I really got into pot, like listening to podcasts in my first, sorry, second year at school because I went to university for a year and I dropped out and then I transitioned into college. And when I lived uh, away at college, it was the same town, but it was in an apartment and my bus ride to school was a little bit longer. So I killed so many podcasts on my daily commute yeah. uh, there and back. And uh, Katie Bellotte is one of them thick and thin uh just hers is so casual and chill definitely a different vibe than like an entrepreneur talk or like a tips episode um but she's just doing so much in the space and for someone who you know worked for such a huge corporate company being L'Oreal and then decided to leave and just continue on her own endeavor and just grow it to the biggest she possibly can um it was super inspiring. So I was listening to hers a lot and I was like, you know what? I think I want to start one. And then I listened to a few more, um, nothing even really specific, just more interview style ones. And it just got me thinking, cause my dream job has always to been a host of a TV show, but I was like, this is pretty close. Like I would accept this. This would be pretty cool. I mean, I can't expect to be the next Joe Rogan, but like, I mean, a girl can dream. <laughs> Yeah, you never know. No, that's so great. And I love Katie as well. I, her podcast is so easy to listen to. I like listening to it at night, like when I'm making dinner. Yes, it's, like it's the, the perfect... chill background. Like it's not, you have to like listen hard. It's just like her telling you about her day. 
Right, exactly. And I'm so happy you started too, because I could so see you being a host of TV network, whatever it may be. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate that. <laughs> so yeah, YouTube definitely allowed me to kind of, I guess, release as my outlet and talk about whatever I want without having to be scripted, et cetera. Cause I even went to one of my profs and told him before I left school, um, that I was thinking of just kind of going full force into YouTube and podcasting for the next year and seeing where it can go. And then I talked about, um, interning at, there's this show called the social, which I'm not sure if you've heard of. It's like a, it's like the view, but like Canadian version that's take, takes place in Toronto and it's a lot less politics so it's a woman panel like there's four of them four or five of them and they just talk about different topics every day I'm like this is an essentially a podcast and they just have each other to converse with so I talked to him about being an intern there and he was like you know what intern there and absorb as much as you can but then go and start your own thing because it's such a dog eat dog world and I honestly like you could try it out but I don't know how you'll be with like being scripted and like on set and when you have your own thing being YouTube, like nobody can tell you anything. Yeah, exactly. I've been on a few TV interviews before, just like local news stuff about, you know, my event to announce that and things I'm doing and it's a totally different world. And I hate it because they're like, okay, you have 30 seconds. I'm like, I'm used to being able to ramble on as much as I want and then cut it down like 30 seconds to get all this out. And like, yeah, the anchor will like have a script and be like, okay, you're going to go after I say this word. I'm like, okay. Okay. <laughs> this is yeah. different. It's very staged. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing because I understand they need to have it cut and clean for for TV and there's commercial breaks and they're very time, time, time. But I totally get that when you're used to just cutting when you want to cut and recording when you want to record. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's hard a different media. Transition. Yeah, for sure. So speaking on that, then how many like what kind of things did you do on TV? It was just local news station. Um, I remember going on before my Knoxville event to kind of talk about like what I do um, and advertise that event like a few days before. And then actually I, they came and interviewed me at my high school for something. I think just to talk about like what I was doing, like being on YouTube, being an entrepreneur. I think that's what it was for. But I just remember them coming to my school and like I was taking time out of my day to be interviewed by them, which is always cool. That is cool, especially because it's a small school. I feel like everyone would be like, what is she doing? Like, that's so cool. Yeah, well, by the time I was a senior, everyone knew what I did. Like, younger girls would watch my YouTube videos. Like, all my fellow classmates knew. So I was just a YouTube girl. Still am if I go back there. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. That's cute. Um, did you? Would you say that people took it well for the most part? Like, I'm sure there's always, like, the, the negative comments and people – you know, getting bullied because of it. But did you think that people took it well for the most part? Like they're very like encouraging of it? I think so. I mean, I'm sure things were said maybe behind my back or something that I don't hear about, but everything up front to me was always encouraging. And I think what helped with that is by the time I got to high school, I already had a following. So like my freshman year I had on this channel, I think like 25,000 subscribers. And so it was kind of already validated because I started, you know, the awkward, like, oh, maybe a couple thousand subscribers where people are like, wait, what is she doing? Like, why is she doing this? I started that in middle school and didn't really tell anyone. And so it wasn't until I had built up the audience that like my friends and people outside of my friend group started to notice. And so for me, that just gave me more confidence. Like, oh yeah, I have a couple thousand people watching me instead of, you know, a hundred when I started. So I think that's kind of what helped gave me the confidence to talk about it and have people have less negativity when I was starting out. 
Yeah, I feel like it's once you're more established and people can't really say anything. It's like, well, this girl's getting paid and she has a following. It's not like, not that they should treat you any differently for having only 100 subscribers or whatever, but it's like, you're kind of starting to be at the celebrity status, I want to say, like in YouTube world, you know what I mean? Like people don't just skip over the channel. It's like, wow, this girl actually has a thing. Like this is like, she's doing it. She's doing it. Yeah. And everyone has to start somewhere. Like everyone starts with one subscriber and then a hundred and then, you know, you keep growing. So if you're starting out and it, and people are saying things of like, Oh, who does she think she is? Does she think she's an influencer with a hundred subscribers? Like just say, heck yeah, I'm influencing a hundred people with every video I upload. So you can just, you just gotta keep going and it'll come eventually. Yeah. Um, so just finishing the podcast talk then, did you have sponsors for each episode? I only went through a few sponsors. I would say towards the end is when I started to get a little bit more sponsored. And then that was one of the reasons which I also stopped it is like the management I was going through for the podcast had stopped. And I was like, okay, well, do I want to keep putting out the episodes? And um, so I have little answers for podcast, YouTube sponsor focused. Sorry, say that last one sentence again. <laughs> yeah, I've always been more YouTube sponsor focused rather than having um, sponsors for the podcast. A lot of them were just free content that I made available. Gotcha. Okay. And did you reach out to these sponsors or did they reach out to you? I worked through them through like another management network. So it was like a manager for podcasters. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So I guess the last kind of bigger topic I want to talk about is your workbook planner, because that is such an essential part to you. Um, and it's incredible because I just don't see, at least the people I follow, I don't see many people selling that. So it's nice to see someone niche down. Um, so I just want to talk about the process of how you came up with the idea, the content creation to it. Did you take the photos for the website and stuff like that? Yeah. So I created the Dream Achieve Workbook Planner, which is a six-month undated planner. So you can start it whenever, use it whenever, go through it for you know a semester and a little bit more. Um, and then it's also a goal-setting workbook. So all the content that does really well on my channel is around like productivity and goal setting, time management, how to set up a morning routine, just because these personal development topics I love so much and I kind of have niche down in this area. Like I inform myself and then I inform my audience and I go through it with them. Like, Oh, how can we, you know, maybe wake up earlier, do this, do that. And so I wanted to create a product for my audience that was helpful for them as well as for me. And at the time, this was my, I had the idea in September of my freshman year. So just like two months after starting college. And I was using two planners at the time. One, because it gave me a place to write a to-do list for my school assignments. And then one, because it had a time blocking section where I could plan out my day. And since, you know, I try to do a lot in a day, um, I really enjoyed that. But I was thinking about a product that would help my audience and myself. And what seemed to come most natural was a planner of some sort. I had no idea how to do a physical product. Everything I'd done in the past was like events and consulting and content that's mainly service. Um, and so I never, you know, created a product. And so again, I went back to YouTube and to Google and just searching like Nashville manufacturers or like out of US manufacturers, what is the price difference? Like how do I use Alibaba, which is what I ended up going through for a manufacturer, alibaba.com, how to use InDesign, which is what I did to create the pages. Like I did all the graphic design work of how the pages and the spreads would look myself. Started out just with paper and pen, figuring out what I would want on a planner page and then 
putting it digitally into InDesign just through watching YouTube tutorials. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of created what it is today. And it took me many, many months. So yeah, I had the idea in September and I launched it uh, this past June. So June, 2019. And it was, a it was a long process, probably the longest I'd ever worked on one thing and keeping it a secret from my audience was also tough because I wanted it to be like a big surprise on launch day. And so for all of spring semester, I was working on this big project that I couldn't even talk about in videos or in vlogs. And I wanted to so badly. Um, of course, that was my decision, but I just felt like I wanted it to be more of a surprise. So yeah, it's has it's like 160 pages or so all of content with how to how to set up your month, how to set up your week, how to set up a morning routine, your budget, self-care, like literally everything that's in the personal development world. It has a page for where you can work through it with my voice throughout the writing, like kind of guiding you. Um, and it's also focused towards college women because we're trying to do so much. Um, and so there's a lot of different pages that are going to help you out. And to answer the question about like the website and stuff, I pretty much did everything myself. The only thing I outsourced was a photographer to take photos of me with the book um, once I got the final samples. But yeah, I think that's why it took so long is I was designing it, getting the samples, sending notes to the manufacturer, doing the pages, designing the cover, figuring out what packaging would look like, figuring out Shopify, designing the website, I did it all. But it was, again, a great learning experience and it's one of my favorite things I've ever done. Yeah, that is incredible especially for your age like you just you've done so much and I'm like oh my god like <laughs> there's people over here still doing the bare minimum and you're like all right what's next like I love it so and especially because your um, audience is so direct like you just said for the girls that literally have so many things to write down their day like that's me like I'm constantly looking for that that page that has enough lines or enough of a box that's why never long enough um to write that all down. So I really like that you used, you know, practicality, but as well as the whole self-development being a huge, huge movement, not that it hasn't been in the past, but to like actually carve out pages for that is really important. And I, I really salute that. Thank you. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted a product that would help my viewers more than just I could talk to them in a video about, but also something that I would feel comfortable like walking into an interview or an internship with and using in my daily life. Yeah. So how long do you say the process was to create that? Like a year, six months? Uh, it was about seven, eight months. Yeah. Okay. And how did learning InDesign go? Um, it was, I made a lot of mistakes. I could have made these pages so much faster if I knew shortcuts early on, but I kind of like jumped into it again, just jumping into things and then went back and watched tutorials and like, Oh, I could set up a table as like a grid instead of doing line by line on how to make like a box. So anyway, little things, but now I am a pro user. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm sure if you were to go through this process again or make another planner, then it, the process would be maybe half the time just because you'd know all the little things to make it go faster. Exactly. So do you have anything else planned for your website, like upcoming? I know you probably don't want to share too much, but. Yeah. So we're coming up on the one year in a few months and before then or around then I am planning on launching um, two new products, hopefully in the works. I'm actually getting the, like the final samples of the products 
this week <laughs> for one of them. Um, and so hopefully we'll be working on that now that I have all this time since I'm doing online school, I'll be able to hopefully spend a lot of time pouring into that and get that out there. One of the products I can tell you about is I wanted to do a digital version of the workbook. So it's going to be at a lower cost point. And I know a lot of students use their iPads or laptops to take notes. And so it's something you can upload into like whatever note taker you use, especially on iPads, you can write on it with your stylus, that kind of thing. And so just a little bit of a different look if you're more of like a digital planner than a paper planner. Yeah, I like that you're thinking about this at all angles. Like you're definitely covering the basis for sure. Well, thank you. I love it. I It's like my pride and joy. It's my business is what gets me up in the morning and love always thinking about new creative ways to do things. I like the worksheet too that you launched. I don't know if it was this week or last. That's yeah. so practical and it's so like easy. And you even had like a little animation on your Instagram story of you like highlighting and writing on it digitally. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, I do like to put out free downloads as well. Just uh, whatever tools can help you. My my tagline for my business moving forward is um, everyday tools for the driven girl, just because I found that having so much drive since I've been young, it's been hard to find companies with like products targeted towards a younger female, if that makes sense. Um, so like, yeah, tools around productivity are all for like moms or working women. And so I kind of want to fill that gap and create tools for high school girls or college girls who are still wanting to achieve a ton. So yeah. How did you create the little animation writing on the free download? So I used Procreate. It's like a an, Katie Bilates yeah. talked about it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's an app where you can like design stuff. And I just uploaded that image and then it gives you like a time-lapse video. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It just, it looks awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So what's next for you going forward? Are you, so you're going to do these two product launches. Do you think you're going to sell merch at any point? I don't know. Merch is something that I've definitely tried in the past and it just flopped completely. I will say it. And I, it's because I don't have like as big of a following, you know, for people who want someone's name on like a shirt, you know? Um, so totally understandable. And that's why I decided to do the workbook planner because it's something more like actionable for my audience to use. Um, so yeah, over this summer, launching those products, hopefully moving to New York in the fall and seeing what that brings. And then we'll see from there where it goes. Continuously putting out content, always uploading and posting on Instagram and stories and all of that. That's awesome. So you'd say YouTube and Instagram are your main social platforms. Yes, absolutely. Oh, do you have Twitter? I do, but I just use it to look at other people's tweets. I don't tweet anymore. <laughs> Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and the last thing I want to touch on just a little bit was religion and, and spirituality and all that. Cause I know that you had mentioned that in the intro of this video or close to the beginning. Um, are, so what's your background on, on all that? Like, what are you and yeah, so I've um, grown up and continue to be Christian, non-denominational mainly. Um, and yeah, that's also a huge Part of my life that I bring to my channel and my Instagram uh, whenever you know it feels organic to bring it up and yeah that that's also kind of what made me want to go to a Christian college just to have more opportunities for like a Christian community especially amongst females small groups Nashville is a big church area so there's always a plethora of churches available for you can that to go to and try out but yeah I love talking about that as well in whatever content I can yeah for sure um, and you said in, it was one of your recent vlogs I watched, um, you work as a barista at the little coffee shop, like in your church or how is that yeah. laid out? 
So attached to my church is a coffee shop that is donation-based and it's a nonprofit. So it kind of like works with the church. The whole church is obviously nonprofit, but like no one gets paid who works in the church. Um, So it's all volunteer-based and all the money goes to the community basically. So um, if people come up and they are needing something fixed on their house or like someone in their family is very ill and they don't have the funds, like the coffee shop donation money will go towards that. And I been just wanting to volunteer in some way and it's also a ministry for me as well as I can just get to know people's stories and like I with my work it's so busy and hustle and like go 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 what's the next thing and having this personal brand it's a lot focused around like me and what I'm doing um and so I just wanted some place where I could go and talk to other people and hear their stories that are unlike stories I hear from fellow college students um you know if we have you know homeless people come in like just getting to talk and sit down with people that I'm not normally around and learn their, like I said, learn their stories, give them a cup of coffee, minister to them, or just like offer like, Hey, we have church here on Sundays and just be a part of ministry in that way. That's awesome. And it's not just like you're pouring coffee. I swear you have like a steamer and everything there. Like it's a full blown, like, Oh yeah. Proper barista <laughs> setup. If I do say so myself, cause I used to work at um, Starbucks. So when I saw you like literally steaming the milk, I was like, so she's not just pouring coffee out of her craft. Like she's doing the whole thing. Yeah, it was cool to learn. I've always wanted to learn how to use an espresso machine. And yeah, we have all of it, like oat milk, almond milk, whatever you want. We got it. And it's Crest Coffee Shop in Nashville. But I sadly won't be there the rest of the semester since um, the whole COVID-19 stuck at home now. So it was fun while I lasted. And hopefully when I'm back in Nashville, I can work there again. For sure. For sure. So um, based on this conversation, do you also take classes in religion and in that world or not really you just specifically take business mainly business and then also it's a liberal arts college so I'm taking like English and all these classes that maybe aren't business but just required and so in that liberal arts degree um, they require you to take two religion classes over your four years at Belmont and it's not just Christian classes you can learn like world religion or whatever it may be Um, so yeah learning a little bit but mainly business and class-wise That's good. That's good. So if you were to give any tips to people that maybe already have a channel, but are just trying to grow it and they're already being consistent, but just looking for the little things that can make all the difference for their channels or their platforms, what would you suggest? I would say stick true to content that's just going on in your life. I find the best content of mine um, is when I'm just sharing what's actually in my life. Like if you want to going, if you're going in the lifestyle route, which is like the niche I'm in, um, sharing when it's finals week, doing a finals week in the life, those videos do well, or like during January, new year, when everyone's trying to eat healthy, like doing a, what I eat in my dorm, like by living in a dorm room, like kind of looking at the trends around you and how that's affecting you. And then making content that, um, that's just about your life. Like if you are not a huge person into fitness, like don't be making workout videos. It's, it's that simple. YouTube is so personally focused that if you try to copy someone else or do a type of content, that's not authentic to you, people are going to see it. Um, for me, that was very obvious. I'm trying like with beauty. Um, obviously I love doing makeup and stuff, but if I uploaded like a tutorial video, they're going to be like, Hannah, you wear such minimal makeup every day. Like, why are you doing this 20 step tutorial? Like, it's just not authentic. And I know it's not going to do well, um, view wise. So making sure your niche is what you actually do. Um, and then also I would say support other people as much as possible. Going back to this, I found my channel really to grow when 
like I kept expecting people to comment on my videos, but then I took a step back. I'm like, wait, when I watch YouTubers, I'm not commenting on anyone's video. Like it's kind of like you have, it's a two way street. So if you want people to come to you and engage with your Instagram and your YouTube, you need to make sure you're doing it for others and build back. Those are just for a community. So yeah, those would be my main tips. I mean, it's a long and steady process and you may find luck and something may go viral or you may be posting for years and just see a slower growth, but it's worth it in the end, no matter what. That's awesome. Well, I really appreciate you sharing those tips. Um, my last question is then, and I should like ask this to everyone, are you happy with the path that your life is on now and moving forward? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I forget I'm still only 20 and so many things can change. Like maybe in five years, I'm not doing any of this. And I think it's kind of just coming to terms with with each day or each year and deciding, okay, what are my goals for this year? And do I want to be more career focused? Do I want to be more relationship focused? Um, but yeah, as of right now, I'm happy and content. And I have to remind myself, you are young and you don't have to have everything figured out right now. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to speak to the listeners and let them know what's up. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. You're a great host. And I can't wait to listen to your podcast now. I'm subscribed and so excited. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And that sums up the episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed and don't forget to check out the episode summary of this podcast episode. It will show her social media links in mine as well, as well as in the show notes, it will have all the timestamps of all the topics we covered in this podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys in my next one.